on today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast, in the words of Henry Cavill Superman, Batman Beyond is dead. Bury it. Uh, thanks to the flash flopping, that is. Also, Blue Beetle apparently has been planned by the director as a trilogy of films. Gotta love that optimism. Avatar, The Last Airbender, the live action series is coming to Netflix, but should they release it all at once like they do all their other shows? Or should they release this one weekly? And on top of that, Secret Invasion has a whole bunch of backlash going on due to the apparent use of AI in the opening title sequence. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campion Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Cameron Show, coming from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good things, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Joining me in studio today, we got Ray Ora. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Jonathan Boyko's here. Hey. Chris Carr is here. Be nice to my friend, Ray. <laughs> and of course... Most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to spend the first part of the show talking about those topics we already listed off. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. If you're listening to this podcast and subscribe to our podcast feed, we also have a YouTube channel. We put up short videos every single day, but we also have some beloved supporters in the forums of our YouTube members. And we ask them every day to send in topics and questions for us to address. And we'll get to those right near the end of the show. All right, with that down, let's get into it, shall we? You know, The Flash is now out in theaters, came out this past weekend. I love this film. I really do. But it flopped. It was already projected open low-ish at 70 to 75 million, which would be high for a lot of films. But for a blockbuster on this scale, 70 to 75 was a little on the low end. That's fine. Only open to 55 million. As of this recording, the movie's only made $140 million worldwide. Now, I, I think if it's lucky... If it's lucky, it'll get to the Black Adam level, you know, somewhere around the $400 million mark, hopefully, which will be another big money loser for DC. That That's all they've been doing for the last five years, which is unfortunate. Now, apparently, though, there might have been a little bit more riding on it because according to a bunch of reports going around, a lot of people have been talking online and saying that, you know, the Flash movie was going to determine if there was going to be a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton. That's been the narrative going around. That John, did you hear they had planned? They planned it, John. They planned it. A Batman <laughs> Beyond movie with Michael Keaton. All they needed to see was that The Flash do well. Now, this all comes, this is a classic case of broken telephone. This all comes from a story that Kevin Smith, who I adore, overheard the son of a producer mm. at Warner Brothers may be saying it. Now, this is how it all gets kind of read out from the folks over at CBR. They wrote this. Kevin Smith broke the news on the latest episode of his Fat Man Beyond podcast. I was hoping that it did better. Talking about Flash. I was hoping that it did better than it did because Michael Uslan's kid said that if the movie did as well as the Batman, the Batman opened to $130 million, one of the next Batman movies they were going to make is Batman Beyond with Michael Keaton, Smith said. 
So I was like, oh my God, now I hope this movie makes a lot of money. Now, of course, it did not make $130 million opening weekend. It, it didn't even make half of that. It came close to only making a third of it. So, so that's aside. Now, I want to start with the first thing is first. I don't believe this is news. This is like not even hearing it secondhand. This is <laughs> hearing something fourthhand. And by the way, I bet if there is any truth to it, and I'm sure Kevin Smith is just saying what he heard, but again, broken telephone and all that. But I also want to propose that I don't believe this was probably ever going to happen under the new Warner Brothers regime. You got to remember, this Flash movie was made under the old Warner Brothers leadership when AT&T owned them. Owned them. That's who this movie was made under. The Batgirl movie that has been scrapped and was also going to have Michael Keaton in it, that was also a former regime owning uh, Warner Brothers. That was back when AT&T did it. Now, it is conceivable. I will admit, as somebody who has never believed, really, that a live-action Batman Beyond movie was ever going to happen, I I think there's a decent chance for an animated movie. I do. But for a live-action thing, I've never really been a big believer in it. But even I will admit that it is possible when you look at Michael Keaton in Flash, Michael Keaton was going to be in the now-defunct Batgirl film, that maybe at one point, under AT&T, when they owned Warner Brothers, there may have been some discussions about building this up to doing a Batman Beyond movie with the older man, Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne, Batman, taking on now a new protege in the form of Scuttle McDirtyButt. What's his name again? Scuttle McDirty Butt. I know what's the huh? name of the kid who becomes bad? Terry McGinnis. Terry McGinnis. Yeah. Also known you. as Scuttle McDirty Butt. Every time. Every time. The disrespect. I, I forgot his name for a quick second. I just made up a name on top of my head. Scuttle oh McGinnis. Gracious. No disrespect intended. <laughs> but none taken. Yeah, none. <laughs> Scuttle McDirty Butt. I don't know. I just came up with something. You, so You gave him a mix, mix something then. It, it, is, it, is, it is possible that that might have been the plan at one point. I highly doubt it was the plan of David Zaslov's Warner Brothers. But even if it were, and there's so many asterisks connected to the story, broken telephone, fourth-hand information, who owned the thing at the time? Was it ever really serious? But on top of all that, the point kind of becomes moot because, number one, that background movie was just shelved, period. And now Flash, which they were hoping would make $130 opening weekend, well, it made $55 million opening weekend and just barely has crossed $130 million worldwide as of right now. So that brings up the question again. Are we, say in the next five years, going to get a live action Batman Beyond? And the answer to that question, as I've said for the last 15 years, is no, we are not. Now, what in Hollywood terms, five years... And kind of like dog years is actually like a hundred years, right? In Hollywood, because things change so That's fast fair, in Hollywood yeah. that whenever once you go beyond five years, then you're talking about eventually. Like, so maybe something happens in seven years, maybe something happens in ten years. That's so far out in Hollywood years, it's crazy. But I, I feel very, very secure in saying within the next five years, we will not have a live action Batman Beyond. Anyway, Chris, uh, I know very, very few people in this world who are as as heavily invested, as big of an advocate as the idea of a live-action Batman Beyond film, nay, even a believer, mm-hmm. as you, 
What? How do you interpret this story, and what do you think the chances are here of a live-action Batman Beyond? Well, first of all, how dare people hang my hopes on the Flash movie succeeding? <laughs> how dare they? Because I want a Batman Beyond movie so much. I, I do not think these two things are absolute correlations of one another, right? I don't think there's a direct causation here between how the Flash does and how we're going to get a Batman Beyond movie at some point in time. Because first of all, one of the things that everyone can agree on about this movie, whether or not you liked it or not, was that people really enjoyed Keaton in it. They loved seeing Keaton in it. They had a great time with it. And also, like you said, this is from the old regiment. This is all the old regime talking. The new folks here have their own plan they're going to implement. And I'm sure they were going to go, oh, if this movie was successful, we'll take some pieces from it. And I think they still might. I think we still might see Michael Keaton show up. I think we definitely will see Sasha Kaye show up because people have really enjoyed them in this. But I don't think it's a direct line to Batman Beyond. Because right now, who the hell is Batman? Yeah. Truly, who is Batman in the DCU? We do not know. I'm Batman. Oh my God, with you? <laughs> Shit, Jonathan, you're directing yourself? That's if right. you listen Damn, to Jensen Ackles, he's Batman now. Oh but. my gosh, I'd take <laughs> it. You know I'd love it. I think Blue Beetle is an actual, the actual movie that that would correlate to Batman Beyond more than The Flash. Well, nah. we definitely have a new futuristic city too that they've yeah. developed for that film. I mean, so it makes sense to have sense. that Neo-Gotham kind of thing coming into play. But I don't think these things are super, super tied here. And I think eventually we are going to get a Batman Beyond movie and Terry McGinnis is going to be amazing and it's going to blow everybody's socks off. Yep. Freaking love this stuff. Okay, you got to put 10 bucks on it. Are we getting a live action Batman B movie in the next five years? In the next five years, 10 bucks? Sure, why not? I can take 10 bucks. I'll bet. I'll bet I 10. Bet. An you actually think I can, that, I, can I change it to we'll get an announcement in 10 years? In five years? <laughs> in 10 years. In 10 uh, years, we'll definitely have them. Yeah. But yeah, I'll put five bucks on it. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I'll double bet with you. Oh no, I have to skip two double, Starbucks. I mean, listen, to, to your favor... Who in the general movie-going audience has ever heard of Creature Commandos? Now, granted, that's going to be an animated television show. Or is it an animated movie? I can't remember. Animated series, but with the potential right. for tying in for live action. Right, so that's so that's a different level thing. Yeah. Um, not everybody has heard of Booster Gold, right? And that apparently is a part of James Gunn's plans. So while I don't believe we're going to get a live action Batman Beyond anytime in the next five years, I mean... You have to look at the other side of it, and the other side of it is, hey, if there's anybody in the movie, comic book movie business that loves their little obscure characters, it's the guy who put Polka Dot Man in a big feature film and made him beloved amongst the fans who saw him. I do think so, you have an audience, too, for that. Like, those fans of the 99 to 2001 animated series love that show. Yeah, and but I they think could all fit in this it. room. No, they couldn't. Oh, <laughs> no. no. There's so many of them. I think it would have to be in Elseworlds, though. But well, he said he was open Elseworlds to Elseworlds. Is on the table, so I mm -hmm. think it's really feasible. Uh, John, I already owe you lunch from this Flash Guardian. Yes, bet. I'm <laughs> up it to a dinner barbecue pork. <gasps> uh oh, ribs lunch. Yeah, but Ooh. we're years away from finding out if that's going to well, be. Well, then or not. you better hope it. You're years away from eating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're on. All right, I you're bet on. three years. Yeah, in this five day. years, we'll get a live action Batman Beyond and a live action Miles Morales movie. Ooh. Both of them. Okay, well, Two things you would Okay, never so you're want. you're doing a parlay here. Yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. sports betting terms. You're doing a parlay. So both a Miles Morales out live action and a Batman Beyond. Because live we've action. been hearing about this live action Miles Morales like a lot more. But recently. nothing legitimate though. There's yeah, no like, you know, you know, Sony, they pull the trigger when there's something they think is hot. All right. 
with that down, guys, let's move on to this next thing here. Yeah. Speaking of the world of uh, DC, uh, Blue Beetle is coming out. Uh, I believe uh, Ray told me it was August 18th yep. is the new Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. the next financial flop for the DC universe oh, uh, in its last dying, gasping breath as the light goes out of the eyes of what was the DCEU as it sputters ever so quietly into that everlasting night. Damn. Uh, it, it's, 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 I mean, Blue Beetle's going to flop and I'm looking forward to the movie. I say that as somebody who's looking forward Looks to really it. Good. I think the trailers look promising. Um, I've been kind of enthusiastic about it since, you know, I heard it was destined to be dumped on HBO Max, but then the studio said, you know what, this is actually pretty good. Let's put it in theaters. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Mm -hmm. But it's going to flop. And it's going to flop hard. And so will, and Aquaman's going to come in like way under what the first one did. How much so, I don't know, because everybody's given up on the DC films. But hope springs eternal. Because in an interview, the director, Soto, of the Blue Beetle movie, saying that he's actually planned it as a trilogy. Uh, This comes to us from Deadline. The director said, our first movie, the way we wanted to do it, was always with the mentality that we wanted to do two more at least, Soto explained. And taking the traditional three-act structure of a story, we wanted our first movie to practically be the first act of a saga. All right. Gotta love that energy. Gotta love that optimism. Mm -hmm. Love it. Boy, is it misplaced. I also want to point out that he was talking about that in terms of when they started, (laughs) when they set out to make this movie. And remember, this movie was made under the old ownership of WB when AT&T owned them. I I think this is officially dead, right? I, I don't think there's any chance. I mean, look, maybe the Blue Beetle will shock the world. Stun everybody. Stun them all, baby. Be what Ray has declared this movie to be, the BDB, the Billion Dollar Beetle. Yep. Maybe that's what this thing will be. I don't think that's likely. I think it's more likely that we're going to see a box office around that of Shazam 2. Oof. Um, Mm. And and on top of that, James Gunn has already kind of said, look, Blue Beetle's kind of the first character of the DCU which suggests that the Blue Beetle character will come over to the DCU. But he didn't say that the movie is part of the DCU because he very specifically said when he was interviewed, James Gunn said that Blue Beetle is kind of the first character of the DCU, but Superman Legacy is the first movie of the DCU, which basically tells us that the events and the things that happen in this Blue Beetle movie will not carry over, let alone that of a trilogy. Anyway, Chris, again, hope springs eternal. But do you think actually... James Gunn plans to continue this Blue Beetle movie with a Blue Beetle 2 in the DCU? I don't know. How do you see that? If it makes money, if it's successful, sure. If it, Winning cures everything is the mantra on this show all the time, right? If this movie goes beyond expectations, honestly, if this movie makes money, period, with the state the DCU is in already... I think they're going to absolutely make more films. Now, to what the filmmakers are saying of we've always envisioned this as a trilogy, I'm sure you have. Mm. I'm sure you did. I'm sure they first weren't thrilled about going straight to HBO or Max, as it's now known. And I'm sure they're very thrilled at the opportunity to prove their mettle in a theater. But if the movie doesn't do well, then why would we make a trilogy? Mm. So, you know, hope can spring eternal, but money talks. Unless I could see one alternative. They do this. And then Blue Beetle pops in DCU under Gunn's 
and people kind of love that character within the DCU. Maybe sure. you make cameos or whatever. Then they they make a sequel within the DCU. Then we see about a third. That could be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but but isn't this all moot? Yeah. I mean, this is all predicated on the idea that Blue Beetle makes a bunch of money. It's and a lot of ifs. This, I mean, and honestly, maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm the only the pessimist one here. Scuttle McDirty Butt, whatever. But uh, show him. <laughs> Scuttle McDirty Butt. Now? now it's me. Oh man. Oh, oh show of hands. Out of the bag. <laughs> show of hands. The mystery has been solved. <laughs> Who actually in this room believes Blue Beetle's going to make money? <laughs> oh, I think it could. But we're talking about a film that's probably going to have to make like four hundred and fifty no, plus million dollars. It's gotten really great reactions every time I, I the think, trailer's played in theaters. I'm thinking, yeah, but so did Flash. Is, I'm thinking break even is possible, but man, I I'm still going to say it's going to be the highest grossing DC movie this year. So that's going to be a little unless bit, it really appeals to younger audiences and they just come. That's out what I'm saying. The, I mean, cool it's going to have to make more than Flash. It's going to have to make more than Black Adam. Well, that's it's Black Adam's have, the highest, right? What's that? Black Hot Adam's the highest uh, grossing DC film. As of right now, yes, at 390-something million. Gen Z's got to come out hard for this one. Yeah. yeah. And, and listen, and while I find the trailer promising, it's not like the trailer blew up the world, right? It's no. not like everybody's going, oh, my God, I got to see this movie. It looks fun and charming. I don't know how much, like, the the international box office will do for this movie, but, you know, there's Brazil. They're crazy about yeah, but that's a small movie market. Even I if everybody know, but I'm just it. trying to put every little try, dollar. Try to yeah. gather those crumbs to make a Lego building. Mm. Well, we'll see about that. All right, guys, we still have a couple things to talk about. <laughs> Should Avatar, when it drops on Netflix, come out as a weekly series or drop all at once? Also, Secret Invasions caused a bit of a backlash due to the fact that it used some AI in its opening title sequence, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. We'll talk about that, too. But before we do, we're going to take a second to thank one of the sponsors of today's episode, our friends at Rocket Money. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. If you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want and don't even use. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. My wife Ann and I moved out of Burbank two years ago and one of the first things I discovered when I loaded up Rocket Money was that I was still paying for a gym membership I haven't even been to in Burbank in two years. So stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash campia that's rocketmoney.com slash campia rocketmoney.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at rocket money for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show podcast all right guys with that down let's go into this here shall we you know we've been talking a little bit lately about the new live action netflix series avatar the last airbender i've actually got a lot of optimism for this because simply Nobody does television series better, more consistently at high quality than Netflix, other than maybe HBO. HBO is probably the standard bearer, but right under them would be Netflix. They're terrible at making their original movies, but they make really good original series. 
to have a really good batting percentage with their original series. And that fact that they're doing it gives me a lot of hope. Plus, they just put out a bunch of images. Our first look at the main characters, including Aang, uh, you know, it, it's uh, Soka. Uh, Katara. Katara. Um, I mean, it's just, they didn't show any of the adults. No. Which I was kind of hoping to get a look at, you know, Uncle Iroh and stuff like that. But we got a lot. And I thought the images looked great. I really do. Now, I've seen lots of images to movies that look fantastic and then the movies were terrible. So that's not to say the show will be good. But I got a lot of hope. So it's coming out in 2024, which means it could come out in as early as six months and one week from now. Uh, Maybe not for another 12 months, whatever. But it's coming out in 2024. Now, here's the question I have. We have seen little bit by little bit, Netflix has been starting to play around with not necessarily dropping all their series at once. Some shows like Stranger Things, like Lucifer, they say, well, you know, let's break it into two. Let's break the season into two parts and get a double whammy on the benefits of new stuff launching. We've even seen a couple of the smaller shows that they do do a couple of little weekly releases. Now, the smart money says that when Avatar The Last Airbender comes out, they'll probably do their traditional thing and just drop it all at once. But I wonder if this is a show that would really benefit them to go weekly release. You know, we've talked ad nauseum on the show. It's, it's not up for debate anymore. The stats, the, the, the numbers have shown it and proved it. The week-by-week release is the better strategy if your show is good. If your show is good, the week-to-week release strategy works much better. You get a growing list of engagement. You get more and more viewers week after week, all that kind of stuff, rather than a show that drops at once. Everybody talks about it for about six days, and then nobody talks about it again. I think Avatar The Last Airbender is a prime candidate to be one of their flagship shows that tries the week-by-week release because this is all under the assumption, and you know what they say about assuming, assuming makes an ass out of you and you. So this is all under the assumption that the show's going to be great. But let's, for the moment, embrace that assumption. That Let's say the show's great. Okay. I think you're going to get the same Mandalorian effect, the same um, WandaVision effect that a lot of those shows had where they started good, but word of mouth went every week as they dropped one episode a week and people talked about it and buzzed about it and chanted about it and other people heard about it. Then the second week would come out and everybody jumped on with a few new people. And then that episode was over and then people would talk about it incessantly all week, spreading the word about it. People go back, get caught up on episodes one and two and now jump on for episode three. And it grew and grew and grew and grew. I think Avatar The Last Ember has huge potential upside for that. Again, under the assumption that it's good. Now, you could try this with a lot of the series that they do, but there's there's a pop cultural zeitgeist element with Avatar The Last Airbender that a lot of the original shows that come out on Netflix don't have. And therefore, I think this is the prime candidate to do it. I will give it a solid 15% chance. Again, like I said, the smart money says that Netflix will just do the stupid thing and they'll just drop it all at once and sacrifice 80% of the benefit they could get from the show. But I actually think there's a small but reasonable potential, 15%, that they may actually do this thing week to week, and I think that would be the best idea. Chris, you're looking forward to the show more than I am. Mm-hmm. 
Um, do you like the idea of maybe them doing the Netflix thing? Drop the whole series at once. Do you think it would benefit them to go week to week? Do you think maybe the audience or the potential audience for an Avatar The Last Airbender wouldn't necessarily be the right audience to do the week to week thing? I don't know. How are you feeling about this? I mean, as a rabid, selfish fan, I want it all dropped at once sure, so I can yeah. binge all of it. But as somebody who really wants this show to be successful, get a second season, be really renowned and consumed by others, I think doing the week-to-week model is great. Or, you know, in the animated series, that season one finale, right, the final chapter of book one, is a two-parter. So do the Stranger Things. Give me most of the season, and then when it's coming to this big, epic showdown, then go, and we're going to give you the rest of those in about three weeks. So you get that buzz. So you get people talking about, so they catch up on those first, what, ten episodes, and then watch the last two, by the way, have we heard people. how many episodes season one's going to be? I have no idea. I can't remember if they've announced it. Ray, maybe you can look that up. I, I don't. If they have, I don't know. It's there's up. decidedly too in Avatar: The Last Airbender, the animated series. There's quite a bit of filler that you I think is very fun, and there's a lot of great character development that happens in those. But obviously, they're going to whittle down for a live action series. I'm assuming we're going to stick to that kind of 12 episode format that so many shows are doing now. Um, Netflix is also good about giving us typically enough episodes as opposed eight to episodes. Eight? Eight. 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 As I just say, they're good at doing this. How dare you, Netflix? How dare you make me have egg on my face like this? Rude. But unless they're like hour long episodes, in which case I'll, I'll, I'll give it a pass. Then that's fair. That's fine. But yeah, I think you release, okay, then six episodes. If those last two are all that final showdown for, you know, the Book of Water, then I think that's a great way to get people interested because this is a way that they can get people to subscribe to the app. That's ultimately what they want to do. They don't want their current subscribers to be watching stuff. They want new subscribers in there so they can be making money. So you're not going to get that option if you aren't, or if you're just dumping everything all at once. People maybe subscribe for a day and then leave if they want to, or you're just activating things with your own subscribers. So they need to entice new people to get on there. I, and again, this all gets foobarred if the show's not good. And there are a lot of people out there who already 100% have convinced themselves that the show will be bad oh, simply yeah. because the original creators aren't involved with it. Um, and and what, I would, what I say to that quite often is, well, you know what? The original creators of Batman weren't involved with The Dark Knight and... That turned out pretty okay. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, we'll have to see. All right. With that down, guys, let's now move on to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for our show or one of our YouTube videos that we put up and you'd like to hear your voice, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline number anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And today's question has to do with the backlash over that secret invasion opening. Check it out. Hey, guys. This is Dan from Queens, New York. I was just calling to ask, what are your guys' thoughts on the fact that they used AI to make the opening title sequence for Secret Invasion? Originally, I thought that it kind of fit well with the plot, but then I started seeing people's responses to it, and it kind of makes sense. It's kind of, I guess you could say, insensitive to use that right now when a lot of writers are fighting for equal rights, especially the Actors Guild as well, for equal rights against AI usage. So... I was wondering what you guys just thought about this and the controversy around it. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for calling that in, Dan. Um, I, I got to say, I heard about the uh, the backlash and the controversy going on around AI. Can I just say, I think it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Uh, I, it, And this isn't Dan's fault. Dan's just tell, telling you, hey, guys, there is this controversy. All these people are complaining about it. What do you think? I, I think it's completely ridiculous. Because, you know, in, in talking about 
You know, it's insensitive. Because Dan's right, I've seen those comments. People saying it's insensitive with AI being an issue right now with the actors and with the writers. I'm like, this is the opening credits. I I feel like Alan Iverson going, practice? We're talking about, I feel like him going, like, opening credits? We're talking about the opening title sequence. That's what we're talking about. It did not do anything for writers. It did not do anything encroaching upon the territory of actors. We're talking about the opening title sequence. The thing that 99.9999% of you hit the skip button as soon as it starts on your streaming service. Nobody cares about the opening title sequence. Who gives a crap? That was my first thought. Now, that was before I went on and started, you know, reading more into the issue. And it becomes even more stupid. First of all, there was complaints started coming out when when the director, one of the directors of the series mentioned that they used AI in the opening title sequence. First of all, movie fans do what we do. And listen, we've all been guilty of this, me included, you included, everybody's been guilty of this. But they hear one little sound bite director saying, oh, we used AI in the opening title sequence. And on that, it became, did you hear that they just typed in create opening sequence or secret invasion and just let an AI create it? Which is not what the director said. But there was also this complaint that, but by using AI, you're taking away jobs. You're taking away jobs by using AI. It's crappy as it is right now. Taking away, uh, using AI in the opening title sequence. But, you know, I... I remember the same argument being made. I I used to own a web design company back in the day. And um, I remember when there's an Adobe product called Dreamweaver. Uh, Another, there was a popular one at the time called uh, NetObjects Fusion. And uh, some programs started to come out that allowed people to make their own websites, right? And I still remember the time. You're taking away the jobs of web developers and you're taking away the jobs of this. It's like, well, you know, but you got to give people technology advances. I remember when I saw this, uh, when Photoshop introduced this thing called, uh, what's it called again, Ray? Uh, autofill, the background, oh, right? right, right. right? Yeah. It had, there's this AI feature in, in Photoshop where you can say, hey, oh, I want to, you know, block out that car and make it look just like the rest of the road. You can just draw a box over it and hit this AI feature called autofill and it'll just fill over the car and make it look like it's just a road that's there, right? You know, some people say, well, that's stuff that a lot of people, we used to go on to Fiverr and hire artists to do personally and whatever, but now you get to do it yourself. But here's the thing. The reality is it was all blown out over nothing. This comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter, and they report this. Now, Method Studio, the studio that made the opening sequence, wants to clarify those reports surrounding how AI was used in the animated open made by its design division. AI is just one tool among the array of tools that sets our artists uh, sets that our artists used. No artist's jobs were being replaced by incorporating these new tools. Instead, they complemented and assisted in our with our creative teams. Reads a statement from Method to the Hollywood Reporter. Again, like I said, most thumbnails you look at today on YouTube probably imp- implemented one or two, a couple of AI elements that are used. And so, at the end of the day. All this hubbub over and this backlash over the opening sequence of Secret Invasion. First of all, it's an opening title sequence, so who cares? You never even watch it. You hit skip like everybody else does. But on top of that, the studio is saying, yes, AI was used, but it was just used like a tool that we use in our creative process 
Nothing to see here. Nothing to talk about here. Um, anyway, Chris, you know, you read this. You saw, you know, the the people jumping up and down on this thing. We now hear from the studio themselves. I don't know. What did you make of this whole thing? It is something that does give me pause, right? Because I know the the director and executive producer in an interview with Polygon 2 was talking about how using AI as a tool they thought was reflective of a lot of the themes in the series. And they did want to have this idea of, who created this? Who did this? Why is it like this? Why does it not quite seem right? Why is there an uncanniness to it? And I can understand that because the big thing with AI in any art form, if you're using AI instead of an actual artist, is it's going to lack human perspective. It just can't have that right now. They're not sentient yet. Oh, that God. we know of. Yeah. <laughs> so far. And this is why you think Siri and Alexa, so they keep you as a pet. <laughs> but that being said, the optics of this were just not great given the time period. Right. So you get that soundbite of AI was used to create this. One of the things that the WGA is fighting that the SAG after guild is fighting is the use of AI to take our jobs. And while right now this didn't take the place of artists, you know, this was utilized by method with artists utilizing it as a tool. It is something where AI takes usually art from others. In this case, they seem to have created their own assets yeah, and given AI that. is really just a great plagiarizer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's that issue. And then it's always artists who start with the creation of AI, though. Right? So these things for artists are taking art, taking images that are out already in the ether. So it is plagiarizing other artists to an extent, right? When it comes to my own lane, right? When it comes to voice acting, those AI voices that we've started kind of fearing, those were, you know, Five grand jobs that some voice actor took going, oh, I get paid today. And now their voice is being used as AI forever. So it's these things are always learning from artists and eventually will potentially take somebody's job. So I think that's the slippery slope that's scary here. Um, I do think it has been blown out of proportion. Do I like the use of it in general, though? Again, it just makes me feel really, really uneasy. And I think given the current climate when it comes to using AI, maybe not the best move, especially for Marvel, somebody who has, you know, a company that's built their, their whole thing is off of artists on the back of artists off of, you know, people putting pen to paper and creating something themselves. It just feels like an ick move. And I know that's not eloquent, but I don't know how else to describe, describe it other than this just makes me feel a little gross. I get why they did it, but it still is just well. Yeah, I, I, w I would say this. As somebody who used to work in the visual effects industry, mm -hmm. I mean, the same argument could be made about CGI. Sure. Right? Because it used to be, if you wanted to animate uh, Mickey Mouse walking from here to here, you would have an artist literally draw 24 cells per second and, you know, and there's Mickey Mouse walking and you get all those images that an artist would have to make. Well, today in CGI, you can just say, hey, the ball, you tell a computer program now, whether it's Maya or some other 3D animation program, you say the ball starts here by frame 126. I want the ball here and to be this close to the screen. And then the computer uh, interpolates that and creates those, those frames to make that. That's what CGI animation is. That, that, that's, that's part of it. So in a way... It's, it's been a lower form of CGI anyway. And so it's, it's often artists that are the ones at the forefront of driving this technology to be able to get a computer to do what the artist envisions. And I, I don't know that 
this opening to Secret Invasion is really much more than that. The way it sounds like, the way they describe I it. I can totally understand that. And also, you know, you know this, and people who are in post-production are often the most overworked, abused, burned out people oh, yes, they in, are. On, on the whole, like, roster here, right? And so having something for people that can save time and energy seems like a great idea, especially for a group that doesn't have their own union. VFX folks do not yeah, have a and union. They and have they, desperately they need to have one. They desperately need one. desperately need to have a union. But again, and that's me playing devil's advocate of, I can see why this would work, but then I can also see the slippery slope. So it's just one of those things where I'm going to keep having a lot of conversations about this one I know. Yeah, it's going to be weird to see how this kind of all shakes itself out. Yeah. I mean, and, and then do we make a distinction? And I, this isn't a rhetorical question. I, I mean, it's not. Do we make a distinction between, say, a visual effect tool AI? Like, we use almost every day the idea of autofill with, with Photoshop and auto-generate and all that kind of We use that AI technology almost every day around here. Um, about the idea of a CG company using AI in animation, of understanding that, hey, these flame effects or, or hair moving. Like, when you watch a... A, uh, a movie, a CGI film with a creature that's really hairy and you see the hair moving in the wind, that's not an artist individually hair by hair animating each hair. There's the computer figures it out and the computer does it. So is there just between that and then saying like a writer who writes a script? Like, and where do we make those distinctions and how wide should those distinctions be? I think there's a lot of questions. We're just at the beginning of needing to ask these questions. And uh, clearly with the backlash, even if I think the backlash on this one is silly, Clearly, the backlash does show that a lot of people are asking these questions, and these are questions that should be asked. Anyway, guys, with that down, we are now going to move on and start taking the questions from our YouTube channel members. Uh, but before we get to those, we're going to take just another, another moment here and thank two other sponsors of today's episode of the John Campion Show podcast, our friends at BetterHelp and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Think about it. The person you were five years ago is not the exact person that you are today. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And guys, striving for better mental health is something we should all aspire to. I've talked about this before, but when somebody goes to the gym, we applaud them for getting out there to improve their physical health. Well, it's about time that we start looking at mental health the same way, not just by encouraging the people around us to look into therapy, but by also taking the step to take care of our own mental health as well. So listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash campia. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, 
Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at BetterHelp and, of course, my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile, for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys. With that down, let's get over to our channel members' questions. Chris, what are we starting off with? We are starting with Dr. Stinky. Dr. Stinky. Hey, John and crew. I hope Superman Legacy has a light blue costume with red underpants. Henry Cavill's design never sat well with me. I know you don't like X-Actor, X-Role, but I think uh, Diego Bonetta would be a great Superman. Anyway, bring on the filthy. I think one of the greatest days in the history of Superman was the deletion of the red underwear. You didn't like the underoos? I've never liked I've never liked the underoos. I like, even as a kid I always thought they looked odd. It's it's very quail man. It's just <laughs> I and so now look that's a there are many different things you could be talking about about Henry Cavill's suit whether the the fact that it had texture uh which was of course very different from Christopher Reeves which is just flat spandex type of material. Um the fact that it was uh, it had depth and embossing and like the the Superman S stood out a little bit as opposed to just being flat on the chest. I mean, there's a lot of different things they're talking about, but and that's fine. You know me, I don't care about the costume. I don't care about it at all. As long as I look at the costume and can identify the character. Like if I look at Spider-Man, I know there have been a thousand Spider-Man costume variations. As long as I can look at the character and say, oh, that must be Spider-Man, that's all I care about. If I can I look at Superman say, oh, that's clearly Superman. I don't care. I really don't. I uh, Because, again, going back to, I go to Black Lightning a lot, but Black Lightning, the CW TV show, that is the ugliest, most horrendous superhero costume I've ever seen. And I loved the show. It didn't matter. Made no difference whatsoever. But, but if I was going to give one thing, no fucking red underwear. Please no red underwear. It's it looks stupid. I know. In the room. Show of hands. Let's see everybody. Show of it. Who wants the red underwear? Nobody, right? See, there you go. I don't think really anybody wants a red underwear. So there's there's that. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next? From Matthew Paul Gray, with the recent performance of The Flash, do you think they'll move Blue Beetle straight to streaming? And lose more money? No. No. Because <laughs> all you be, let's say Blue Beetle came out and it made $200 million. That's 200 more million dollars that you're going to make than if you just put it straight to streaming. Uh, so, I mean, that's what they needed to make a lot more than that. But you're just compounding your losses. And now if you just dump it on streaming, and especially if it's a good movie, 
Like if it's a good movie, you just take that and say, at least that'll help a little bit, maybe going into Aquaman. But I mean, no, there's no circumstance unless you can make a financial case. Cause I think they're probably going to end up spending like $75 million on the marketing of this film. Unless you can make a case that they can't even make back that $75 million, which I think it can easily do that. Um, but unless you can make a case that it can't even make $75 million, then no, dropping it on streaming just makes the problem worse. All right, what's next? From Yanis, uh, Jan- the G, why would Disney schedule an Avengers movie and a Star Wars movie in the same month? It probably won't end up like that, but why even say it then? And two Star Wars movies six months apart is what Iger said made Solo a box office failure. But now they're so far doing it again. Weird. I No, I, I don't think Iger thought the fact that two Star Wars movies were six months apart. He just thought they were making too many. He just thought they were trying to throw too much at it. And listen, I would love a Star Wars movie every year. But they were going down the path of, of too many. And, and by the way, I disagree with Big Papa Iger on that one. The failure of the solo movie, which was a good movie, by the way, but the failure of the solo movie was right from the very beginning when they announced it. I'm like, who's asking for a, for a young Han Solo movie when we literally have Harrison Ford on screen right now as Han Solo? And I always, I never thought that was a movie that should be made. It turned out good, but it never should have been made. Um, and also they don't always announce their scheduling moves at the same time. Right, they may announce this moved and this moved, and that might apparently put it in conflict with something else, but they probably already have it planned that they're going to be announcing moves as those ones too. So it's they probably know exactly what they're doing there. All right, what's next? From uh, Rihanna Gordon, I know I'm in the minority, but I believe that Netflix's Avatar, The Last Airbender, will be their next massive hit original series like Stranger Things, Wednesday, or The Crown. I'm cautiously optimistic for this adaptation. I don't think you're in as big of a minority as you think. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I I mean, obviously you're going to get your, your complainers because every once in a while, all of us have, it's like jury duty. All of us have to take a turn being the amongst the complainers. So there will be the complainers about it saying, oh, this is going to be sock. They shouldn't be touching the, the animated series. Oh, if it doesn't have the original creators involved, then it can't possibly. Yeah, you're going to get some of that. But I think there are a lot of people very excited for this. Listen, before the Tadum event, we got a lot of messages from our viewers saying, Guys, the first look at Avatar is coming up. Like, there are some really legitimately excited people. I'm one of them. So, I I mean, like, Chris, let's assume that the show's good. Let's not say the greatest show ever made, but let's say the show's really solid, just good. Do you think people are going to catch on to this and and jump on board, or do you think it's going to be crickets? Hell yeah, I do. It has all the makings of a great show. There's so much wonderful story here. The characters are so easy to connect to. This has a wonderful extended universe that you can do so much with, and you can kind of choose how much you want to know as the viewer here, too. It's kind of like, to me, how you get to read those Star Wars novels and have that extra information. And so every now and then I'm like, oh, wait, that's somebody who exists? Oh, that's really cool. John, thanks for that backstory. You kind of can decide how much of this universe you want to know. So I think Netflix, if this is done well, can have a huge hit on their hands that people really want to sink their teeth into. I'm going to put you on the spot. I hope you know the answer to this question. Oh, shit. My actual (laughs) favorite character Mm -hmm. in Avatar is one whose name I forget. It's the blind earthbender. Toph? Toph. Toph Beifong. I, she's my favorite character. She's amazing. I, she was even the one thing I liked best in um, 
Legend of Korra. Legend of Korra. Well, because that was handled so well. Yeah. Where of course, this is how Toph would be as a person and parent and everything. Like 50 years later, yeah. or however long old she oh. was. To that. I love Toph. She's so Toph cool. Fong is incredible. See, that's who I was trying to think of the other day, Ray. Remember you asking, <laughs> what would be the most powerful you thought maybe Earth? And I'm like, actually, an Earthbender is one of the best characters. I couldn't remember her name. Toph. Yeah. Toph. That's Toph her Bay name. Fong. She's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to love her, Ray. Especially Why? once you get to the Ember Island Players Why? episode. She's super funny. She's a tough kid, mm-hmm. and you usually like those kind of like spunky, tough, but like playful characters and stuff mm-hmm. too. You're she's got some Nova love, energy in there. You're gonna love Toph. Yeah, she's okay. she's great. All right, what's next? From Joe Joey Hawkins, 1994. Uh, Marvel seems to have made a mistake with their marketing of the Marvel so far, given it takes place after Secret Invasion. You know what I mean? We don't know when it takes place. Mm, no, I've, I, I mean we have offic- received no official word. I mean, generally speaking. Generally speaking, Marvel puts things out in the order in which they happen. And so, the, but I, I don't know why this is a problem. Also, what's the release date for the Marvels? Uh, November. Oh, is it November? November. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Go ahead. Because that movie's still like five months away. Is it just November because 10. Nick Fury exists in both of these things? Because also, there's this cool thing called Skrulls. Either way. So no matter what happens to Nick Fury in Secret Invasion, or if there is a different timeline here too... Do we know if that's Nick Fury? Well, that's a good question. But okay, I, I, <laughs> I haven't read this all of Like I see what he's saying because in the the Marvels trailer, mm-hmm. we see Nick Fury on a space station. Yeah. In the first episode of Secret Invasion, Nick Fury has left the space station. Mm. He can always go back. <laughs> he can. No, he can't. Always that's a one-way trip. To, uh, so I, I don't know <laughs> if it's been a problem down. at all. So I, I think everything. And again. Marvels is still five months away. I don't think they're really even going to start really ramping up that marketing campaign for another month, yeah. at least. So it's it's still a ways off. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Ian Barth. Hey, crew. Chris, how could the potential of an actor strike affect casting? For example, John was suggesting that we might hear a Superman or Batman announcement at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, but if they've not been cast yet and the actors strike, would they still be able to be cast? Anything mm-hmm. else of that nature that the strike may affect that they're not thinking about? Oh, yeah, it would absolutely affect casting because none of us would be working with <coughs> anyone who's associated with the AMPTP. So that would be all major studios. Um Actors, much like writers right now, could go off and do some indie films and things like that as long as they are not connected to studios that work with the AMPTP. So casting could announce all kinds of stuff, right? Hey, and we have this person being Superman, hopefully when production begins again. But they can't do any casting. But they can't do anything. Yeah, once the writer's strike, uh, actors can't go in and and participate in casting. Exactly. Oh, and um, I meant to tell you too, you had asked this uh, the other day, if anyone had talked to the WGA again. So the AMPTP is only negotiating with one union at a time. So their sole focus is on one union. So once the SAG negotiations are over, then they can revisit talking to the WGA. Oh, so there's not, there's no, there's no remote chance then that the WGA strike can end before uh, the SAG situation is done. Exactly. So it's individual things. SAG would have to start striking and then they can go back to the WGA. And then they can go talk to them. Yeah. Or we can accept their terms like the DGA did because the DGA still has to vote on everything. Their members have to do that. And the Directors Guild includes... You know, stage managers and all kinds of other people, too. So they have to vote. We have to vote. WGA has to have renegotiations. Um, now, as uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, that I, I was saying that DC really needs to take advantage of Comic-Con <laughs> and say, ladies and gentlemen, our new Superman. Yeah, if there's an actor strike going on Whoops. when Comic-Con is happening, 
actors cannot participate in marketing events for movies. The like, Let's say that, by the way, I 100% already believe they've already cast. But John James Gunn, I don't care what James Gunn is saying. I believe they've cast their Superman a while ago. <laughs> but that being said, let's say they do have their Superman. That actor, if there's an, a writer strike or a actor strike going on at the time, whoever that Superman is can't attend San Diego Comic-Con. I mean, they could attend Comic-Con and do an autograph booth for their own thing, yeah. but, not to, but they can't do any promotional work for, for the studio. For a studio. So you're going to see, I mean, this is going to be a big problem potentially because already right now, if the writer strike is still going on, that means for all the people who go there for their favorite television shows, no showrunners are going to be on any panels. And if the actors go on strike, no actors can do any panels. So right now, cinema or Comic-Con is going, like they're really hoping this gets resolved. So. In, a, in a way though, and I know this is, as an actor, it's such a crummy viewpoint, but I was like, oh, Comic-Con will be about comics again. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah, and it can go from 190,000 people back down to 40,000 people. Which was kind of great, though. In, in some ways, oh, yeah. Man. Actually, one of the reasons Anne doesn't like going to Comic-Con as much now is because it's too much walking yeah. around oh, like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm so claustrophobic. Moving, you're I constantly can't. moving out of everyone's way, so you're yep. just trying to look at something and you're like, okay, okay, can I, I just look? Yeah, I usually stay around the convention center and then I finally go on the like shopping floor and everything, usually on Sunday or That's when I know say. there's really big panels happening. Two, two times, the preview night. Yep. And then, but you can't buy anything, but no. at least preview night and then you go Sunday yeah. when it's empty. But that's the problem. Sundays aren't empty anymore. Yeah. That's what we did. They last used year. to be. Yeah, last year, and me and Ray just yeah, drove down there on Sunday. I don't go. We did a one day, yeah, and going. we did a one day just to go down there. It's like the last day. Oh, and the floor was packed. Yeah, I like I stuff meant... like the Long Beach like Comic Con because that's yeah. more of a comic swap, and I'm more of a collector of comics. So. I like the Long Beach Comic Con. It's pretty cool. WonderCon's gotten pretty big now too. It has. It yeah. used to be the redheaded stepchild that you yeah. could just always get into, so and now fun. it's like no, that's and Comic Kazi, which is now the the LA Comic Con. That's also been getting pretty big. Yeah, you and I want to go to Brazil. Yeah. Uh, I want to go to that Brazilian one because uh, what's it called again? CDXC or something like that. The whole uh, I, I want to go to that. Everybody tells me that's just, a, and I've always wanted just to go to Brazil. So yeah. we should check that out. All right, what's next? All right. From uh, Simon, have you watched Asteroid City yet? If so, what's your thoughts on the movie? I haven't yet, I haven't but I want it. to. I I actually don't have any interest in watching the movie. I thought the trailer was dull as fuck. I, I, and I like Wes Anderson. I mean, give me Royal Tannenbaums all day, but nothing about that movie looked remotely appealing to me. I thought it was a horrible trailer that if it didn't have the name Wes Anderson on it, I don't, I think everybody would agree that that was a shitty trailer, Mm -hmm. but Wes Anderson's name's on it. So it's brilliant. And I just don't look at it that way. I, I just saw a really dull, non-interesting in any way, shape, or form trailer. And I just didn't have any. So again, I'm not shit talking the movie because I haven't seen the movie. I can't say <laughs> the movie's bad. I'm just saying the trailer was horrible and killed any potential interest I had in watching it. So I haven't seen it and I don't plan on watching it. Did Vinny, you guys watch it? No. Uh, I, I want to see it, but I, I do still want to I want to go see it. Um, Taylor Gonzalez and his boyfriend went and saw it. And David loves Wes Anderson. He was like, Chris, it's no. Not the finest Wes yeah, Anderson. Yeah, which oh. bummed me out a lot. Because um, I really like Wes Anderson. So I love it. Yeah. All right, what's next? From Dork of the Ninjas. <laughs> hey, crew, what is your favorite sports-based movie? I honestly have big affection for Remember the Titans with Denzel. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. That is one. great. I rewatched that last year. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful film. For me, there are a couple. Um, obviously, there's Best of the Best with Eric Roberts. And James Earl Jones, I love Best of the Best. 
Um, it, it honestly might be mystery or mystery Alaska with Russell Crowe about the, uh, the town. That's, that's a, movie. that's a hockey town. I, cause I'm a hockey guy. So that is amazing. I, yeah, I'm going to say mystery Alaska is my favorite one. Yeah. What I'd, about you guys? I'd say since it's not, I know it's field of dreams technically isn't a baseball movie. I get the argument. It but kind he of said, is though. But he said sports based. Yeah. And it is sports based. So I'm going field of dreams. I, I think that qualifies. Cool runnings. I like the first Creed. Cool <laughs> runnings is great. Cool runnings is great. A lot of great boxing movies. Yeah, the oh. first Creed now has taken over. If you count sailing as a sport, wind, it's a great movie. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, the race. Yeah, yeah. the racing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what's next? From uh, Adrenaline Knight 3395. Nice. Secret Invasion was good. I don't think anyone was a scroll, uh, scroll the whole time. It's going to be hard to say. Because, you know, the, the, the whole show starts off with Ross. And by the way, just going to give you a warning. Because Secret Invasion is a TV show, we give spoiler protection for like one day. Uh, after that, it's, you you obviously aren't that interested in watching. Um, how? Yeah, that's the first question I had. It's like, okay, so how long has Ross been a scrawl? That's the question. Because I think in like when they did the original run in the comic books, it turns out those people had been scrolls for a very long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're saying this Ross just became a scroll or if the Ross we've seen the whole MCU has been a scroll the whole time. I mean, I, I just don't know, but there's a lot of those questions have to be answered. If he was a scroll the whole time, he did a really great job of being so impressed with all of the Wakandan technology of like a spaceship. What? Yeah, that's, that's true. Neat. That's true. And you would think maybe that Shuri performing open spinal surgery on Ross might have been able to detect yeah. that maybe the physiology is a little bit different. So I, feel I don't like know. that has to be a newer development. So maybe that's, yeah, that's a newer thing that happened. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth, Chris, what are your thoughts on the voice acting and how to train your dragon movies? Because growing up, I knew Jay Bruchal, uh did Hiccup, but I had no idea America Ferrera was Astrid and that Russell Crowe was the dad. No, Russell, Russell Crowe was not, not the dad. dad. Gerard, no, it's Gerard, Gerard Butler. Butler was the dad. Yeah. Um, There's a reason you never knew Russell Crowe was the <laughs> yeah. dad. Because he was not. Um, Gerard Butler, another person who'd be a great Craven the Hunter's dad. Um, I think they do a great job in those movies. It's also why the whole How to Train Your Dragon uproar about the casting for Astrid was so weird to me was... America Ferrera is Astrid. Yeah, a, a Latina actress did yeah, the voice where, of the did the voice of the character. Been? In case you didn't know, not, not that I want people to be mad at America Ferrera either, but like yeah. guys, it's been like this for quite a while. Um, I think they do an excellent job. Um, Jay, in particular, just his whole thing too is playing these kind of sheepish, neppish kind of characters, and I think he does that so beautifully in this. DreamWorks does an amazing job too. I think with their talent of really giving them great direction in a way that. Maybe sometimes other studios are a little scared to do with some A-list on-camera talent, but I think they do a really good job of pushing their actors to really work the medium to its full extent. So I think they did a great job. You know what's an underrated movie? What? Jay Berchel had a little comedy. Ray, you might want to look this up for me. Yeah, I think He I had his own romantic comedy and that he was the lead in mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. And I think it's out of your- She's out of your league? She's out, is that or the out of my the, league? Out of my league. She's out of your league. Whatever it, it, it yeah. was, but that was actually a nice little romantic. Isn't that the one where they worked at the airport? Like they were airport employees? I can't remember if they were airport employees, but it's, I know there are scenes in an airport. It's been many years since I saw it, but I just remember really liking the it. The gal who was the blonde doctor in the second Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. She's out of my league. She's, She's out, out of my league. league. That's actually a nice, underrated little comedy. If, if you're sitting at home one night looking for something to watch, give that one a shot. You might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? 
from Cash 5377. Hi, John and crew. I saw that Jennifer Lawrence movie coming out this weekend is only expected to bring in about $12 million yep. for its opening. I know comedies don't usually open to big box office numbers, but I think that's too low for an estimate. What do you guys think? They have not marketed this film. No. Like, I, I yeah. have not... Fortunately, when I saw the trailer for it for the first time, I saw the Red Band trailer for it, I thought it was hilarious. But to be honest, I have, I forgot the movie was opening this weekend until a few days ago because the marketing has been pretty much non-existent. This is going to be a movie that if it makes any money, is going to have to do so with word of mouth. Uh, now, we had a couple of our viewers uh, call in yesterday because there were some early fan screenings right. and the viewers who wrote in the other day were saying they really liked it. So that's great. Ray and I are actually going this afternoon to go watch the movie. So I'm very excited to see this thing. I hope it's good, but I don't expect its opening weekend to be very big. I have friends who work in production, who work in distribution, who went, oh, what's that? When I asked if they wanted to see it this weekend. So there's your 12 million. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm seeing it, I think, Friday or Saturday. (laughs) Tonight I opted to get tickets for um, Lonely Castle in the Mirror. It's an anime that's Uh, only showing like two nights at Regal. All right, what's next? I don't think you have to say the numbers. It's generating numbers for everybody. Oh, okay, thanks. Hi, John. This is from uh, Dad Jokes. I think you are sleeping on an important composer for the number two spot. James Horner, in my opinion, has did the I second not mention best James Horner? I think you did. Yeah, uh, anyway, you did. Okay. when you're going through no, the list of them, you didn't, yeah. But so, it does I mean, okay, you can't well, name I should everybody. have mentioned Horner, yeah. Examples are Braveheart, Avatar, Titanic, Willow, Aliens, Cocoon, Legends of the mm-hmm. Fall, Field of Dreams, Apollo 13, Glory, Star Trek 2 and 3, Land Before Time, yes, and on and on. Yep. Freaking love Fan- Land Before Time. Ab- absolutely fantastic. Now, here's the problem. Uh, when comparing it to John Williams, uh, bring up his question again there, Jonathan, if you don't mind. Let me scroll up. Okay, so who can hum for me right now the main theme in Alien? I mean, that's now, now the, the score of a movie should not always be memorable. It's meant to enhance and uplift a scene, right? And immerse you in the environment and the DNA of what's going on. It's supposed to draw you in, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be memorable and all that kind of stuff. The thing about John Williams' stuff is, besides the fact that you can name the movie and er- almost everybody on the sidewalk can hum along with it's it. It's immediate. What's that? It's immediate. Yeah, it's immediate. And it's something that does both things. It immediately brings you into the movie it engages you in the movie. It immerses you in the movie, and it's hummable. Bum ba bum ba bum ba ba. Right, you feel the adventure. It immerses you in it, but you can also walk away from the movie totally humming it. Like you go up to anybody on the street and you go bum ba ba bum ba bum ba ba. Everybody's like, "Oh, Harry Potter!" Yeah, there, there you go. Everybody remembers every note of John Williams' stuff. It's it's so rare. But yes, you're right. James was an excellent addition on that list. Hundred percent. All right, what's next? From Jesse as a Turtle. Have any of you guys had a chance to try out the new MoviePass system? I finally got mine, and I'm hoping to use it this weekend. I have not, but I am interested. The the problem is 95% of the time I just go to the AMC that's close to me, and I got my AMC A-list. But I am very fascinated by the new MoviePass. 
And everybody's got to remember, this is not the same people who drove it into the ground years ago. This is totally new ownership. It's the original person who created MoviePass before somebody else took it over and drove it into the ground. Mm -hmm. The original owner is back, getting it back on its original vision. And, and he will drive it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not, because I think it's got potential. Yeah, yeah. My only and problem is I just do not go to the theaters and buy a ticket. I always pre-purchase pre my yeah, tickets. That's yeah, and that's one of the drawbacks with movie passes. You actually have to go to the yeah. theater mm. and buy your ticket there. You can't book your theater ticket online. Ooh, I have to interact with a person? Yeah. No. <laughs> the only time I would do that is if like, I was at the old Amoeba Records location. That used to be next door to the dome. Oh, and if I yeah. had time, I'd just pop in and see if there's something I could see. Yeah. But that's that it. goes back to the, to the old AI debate we were having earlier. It's like, is it a good thing that we can just buy our tickets on our phone now? Because we're costing jobs of those people at the ticket buying window and stuff like that. It's just another interesting little thing there. Oh, you mean those people are like, yes. They stand yeah. like one person in there now. Yeah. No, Man, honestly. So many people yeah. staffed for concessions, though. I, I will say yeah. the thing about MoviePass that I, I am intrigued by and maybe would switch things for, because I can walk to a Regal. So that's why I've got Regal Ooh. Unlimited. I know, oh, fancy. But my, my little bestie, TJ, he's AMC. Uh, he's got the AMC A-list. And so we don't see movies together anymore because it's, well, I already paid for Regal and you're paying for AMC. So I guess we'll talk about the movie some other time together. And that's the only thing I like about MoviePass is that we could both go see movies all the time. All right, let's do two more. What's next? From S. Wizard, did you see any MCU movies grossing over a billion anymore? Do, or do you see any MCU movies grossing over a billion anymore? Are those days gone? I'm looking at the upcoming slate, and I can't see any of them accomplishing what they used to do. Oh, Avengers 5 and 6 will. Yeah, I'll, I'll just give you that guarantee right now. Avengers 5 and 6 will. Other than that, not sure. Listen, Marvel started to get on a roll with the billion-dollar film after billion-dollar film because they had built this reputation. Every one of their movies was great. That was the reputation. That was the magic. The magic is gone. Now it's a coin toss about whether a new project of theirs will be great or not. Every once in a while it is, like Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and every once in a while it sucks bags of shit like She-Hulk. I mean, so you never know what you're getting. Now, if they can establish that momentum again, like we just had Guardians 3, okay, if Secret Invasion runs all their episodes and it goes out strong, and then if the Marvels comes out and is really, really good, then after that, we could start seeing those Marvel films get into the billion-dollar club again, like whether it's a Fantastic Four or, or whatever, or Captain America Four or whatever. You could start seeing it again. If they maintain being a coin flip as to they have one bad one for every one good one, they ain't going to have another billion-dollar film until Avengers 5. Um, the question will be, can they get it back up there? And I can't answer that question because I don't have a ton of faith in the MCU right now. I can still be excited about projects, mm. but it's just that, like I said, for the last couple of years, every other project they put out, I find pretty disappointing. And it never used to be that way. It used to be every single time out, it was awesome. Not anymore. So we'll see if they can get that momentum, get that mojo back. All right, what's next? From Brandon Salad. Hi, John and crew. Been wanting to see a Wes Anderson film. Any recommendations on where to start? Royal Tannenbaum's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Life Aquatic. 
Life Aquatic and Royal Tenenbaums, you get really the essence, I would say, but yeah. it's not overly Wes Anderson. Yeah, mm -hmm. the and, uh, hotel. Uh, yeah, and then if you graduate from there, Grand, Grand Budapest. Budapest. Grand, Grand Budapest. And look, yeah. if you like Grand Budapest, and you like Wes Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, actually, that's a good litmus test, you're right, yeah. is a Grand Budapest hotel. French Dispatch is Wes Anderson, like Wes Anderson-ing really hard. That's why I think hard. Asteroid City is very... <laughs> I did not love the French Dispatch. That's what I mean. Uh, it's like yeah. very, like... Boiled down, concentrated West Ham. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I yeah. didn't. I didn't like actively dislike it. I'm just like, huh? I, I would that's say a movie. the next after Grand Budap Budapest would mm -hmm. then be like Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom is great because that's very. That's like they let him do what he wanted. Yeah. To what did do. you think about the Isle of Dogs? It's cute. Yeah, yeah, I, I, like I liked it. it. I like Fantastic, I Fantastic Mr. Fox, Mr. Fox more. Is better. Yeah, oh, yes. As animated. Yeah. For his animation. Oh Darjeeling. my God, I My favorite like... is Darjeeling, but it's yeah. not like most of his uh, <laughs> no. films. Ray has not seen a single one of these. Uh, am I in some indie record store right now? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you just want to do entry level, where the studio still had some oversight on him, so it's not so Western, I would say Bottle Rocket. I was going to say, Bottle Rocket's the only one like, that yeah. fits yeah. that category. Yeah, yeah, Blue Beetle, too. Owen yeah, Wilson. Wait, was Luke in that one, too? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, last question of the day. What's oh, next? Okay. <laughs> From uh, Norrell Starrett. Uh, hey, Campia Crew, which wrestler turned movie star has been your favorite to watch so far? <laughs> Mine was The Rock when he first started, but now I've been enjoying Dave Bautista and John Cena's work. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Dave Bautista has a load of potential. He's been getting better and better and better. Yeah. John Cena has come a long way. Right now, though... It's it's Dwayne Johnson is it's still Dwayne, is but he said, top. "What's who do you enjoy seeing the most?" The Rock. I yeah. actually like. I like John Cena the most. I, love John I Cena. like Peacemaker, yeah. but like for instance, with John Cena, when you look at his body of work right now, like He's I, still I in just, that tooth fairy uh, phase. I still haven't gotten over blocked. You know that was his opportunity to be the lead in a movie, and it's a movie that had potential. And that was the one that was like, yeah, John Cena's not quite ready for prime time. Peacemaker has changed that. But really right now, if you take away Peacemaker, right. I don't have a lot to, to say I have real strong belief in Cena quite yet. Although mm -hmm. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he continues to develop. Mm -hmm. But like when you look at Dwayne Johnson between movies like Snitch, which I think he gives a wonderful performance in Snitch, uh, Faster, I thought he was just incredible in that. The Rundown. Uh, I mean, now you're going into early Dwayne Johnson. The well, style come on. Movie, that was like his first big one. But that's not like like thespian uh, acting. Oh, yeah, but he but... has done some things that he's actually been pretty good in. I, yeah. have, I think I, I'd be most excited to see Dave Bautista in like a non-action role. Yeah. Because Bautista has chops. I think, though, what I like about Bautista and what I like about Cena is I've seen them not be Bautista and Cena. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, I always I like feel Bautista like I'm seeing Dwayne. In Glass Onion. Yeah. But he did that one... With Kamel Nagiani, oh yeah, that, that. Stuber, Stuber, which mm. not only was the movie awful, he was not very good in it. Yeah, yeah. And then he did that damn one where he's the with the little girl. Oh yeah, Super that, Two. Is that just like a, a wrestler like point that you have to do as you're transitioning into Hollywood? Yeah, you have kid. To do like, I have a little the rock did yeah. the game oh, plan. So great. Yeah. Rock did yeah. the game plan. Yeah. But again, I I think Dave Bautista has continued to show incredible development. And I think he's going to be really solid. It, I think he will be I would really say solid. Suburban Commando phase, but that is, no one gets that anymore. So. Here's my answer. Do you, did you, do you remember the That's movie fair. Condemned? With Stone Cold Steve Austin, oh, baby. On the island. 
I'm right? such yeah, I'm such a mark for Stone Cold. That would be my favorite. Uh, That's wrestling. their battle royale yeah. Hunger Games movie where they drop a bunch of criminals on the island yeah. and the last surviving one gets to live. And like Stone wow. Cold Steve Austin, baby. Cleans yeah, up that Stone, island. I listen, I like seeing Stone Cold movies. He's not like he's not even, good. But go back to the expendables like too. It's like, yeah, yeah. He can do certain things well, but yeah, it's like you know what? No. It's Stone Cold. Go get that son of a bitch. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's, Blue Beetle. <laughs> He's really pushing Blue Beetle. I'm going to really? whip that ass, Blue Beetle. Because <laughs> Stone Cold said so. Mm. All right, guys. And that'll do it that for will. today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our channel members for sending in those questions. Number one, because it gave us fun things to talk about. But number two, by being a YouTube channel member, you actually support our show. So thank you guys so very much for that support. I want to thank the people in the room with me. We got Ray Ora, got Jonathan Voico, Chris Carr is here. <laughs> Bye. My name's John Campion, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>